know, um, I, I know, I know many times, you know, when, when you're, uh, the, the older we get, the more we like it like we like it, and sometimes kids are distracting and all of that kind of stuff, but let me tell you, the converse is not what you want. You don't, you don't want that church where there's not, you know, a, a child crying from time to time or messing things up or whatever, you know, um, that's, you don't want that. Let me just tell you, you don't want that. Some of y'all might have come from that. I don't know, but, but uh, that's not who we are. Um, so on Thursday nights, guys, we have, uh, we have a men's study happening right now. Uh, it's on Mark Batterson's book, Double Blessing. We have just about a half dozen of these at the back. Um, we can order some more. But uh, we, we uh, did our introduction last week, but we didn't actually dive into the book. So if you pick up a book today, anytime between now and Thursday, you will not be behind if you show up on Thursday night at 7 o'clock. Um, and so we, we uh, uh, do a, a lesson from the book, and then we sit around and talk about it, pray with one another, encourage one another. And it's not a great opportunity. This is a great book, by the way. Um, I, I, only, I only put books out there uh, for you to read that I've actually read myself and, and was really ministered to by it, and so I, I just really know that, that you're going to enjoy this, and it'll, it'll bless you. Um, as Pastor Sarah mentioned, uh, next Sunday is, uh, is our Faith Promise Sunday. Um, every year, a couple of times a year, um, we talk to people about how to support missions and how Lighthouse supports missions is in this way. Um, we ask you to not look at your tithe, which is based on what you can do um, and what you should do before the Lord, but Faith Promise is different. Faith Promise is where you ask the Lord and you say, Lord, what do you want to give to missions through me this year? Now, when I was in Bible college, I used to do this, and the Lord uh, gave me, it, it gave me opportunity to trust him for the impossible. That God gave me some impossible numbers, and I'm not implying that he's going to do that with you. But what God does want to do is grow your faith. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. In order for you to grow in your faith, you need to be challenged and tested in your faith. If you're not tested in your faith... Let me tell you, you're, you're just staying still, and God wants to increase your understanding of him and how he walks with you. And so get before the Lord, pray, ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do this year? And, and this is not, we're not going to chase you down for it. You put the number down on there that you feel like God wants you to do, and then you trust him for it. And when it comes in, praise God. You celebrate, your faith grows, and you just give what he gives you. If it doesn't come in, you're not on the hook for it. Does that make sense? It's a faith promise between you and the Lord. But this is how you can grow your faith, and this is how we've grown our missions budget over the years. So next Sunday, Faith Promise Sunday, wanted to make sure you are aware of that. How you doing? You look fantastic. You look even better. Oh, yeah, you look even better now with my glasses on. Some of y'all was a little iffy until I put my glasses on, and you really do look good. Five days into a fast, how many of you are doing something in the fast that you've never done before? Maybe you fasted, this is your first fast ever. Maybe, okay. Um, how many of you have done one day before, but you've never done five? How many of you have done two days before, you've never done five, three, four, five, five, first time you've ever done five? That's great. And uh, so dive on ahead. You know, we're going to support you. Uh, we had probably about 50 people sign up online. Um, the reason I mentioned the online is not so that you have to sign up, but on the online registration, that's where you're going to find the prayer times. The sanctuary is open twice a day um, for private prayer between, I think it's 11 and 1, and then for uh, corporate prayer in the evening. So those times are on that, uh, on that registration. Also, the, the 
fasting manual if you want more information about it, some resources. We want to resource you. I love what Pastor Sarah said. I'm going to quote Pastor Sarah a lot today. Um, you know, we, we just want to resource your faith. We want to resource your walk. And so uh, the fasting manual has some extended resources, and you can download that for free. It's no charge. Uh, our tribe writers wrote that uh, a couple years back, and so we just keep bringing it back up. And praise God for people that uh, are working hard. And uh, I, let me just uh, celebrate, speaking of people working hard, last Sunday night, uh, the, the missions team, in conjunction with many of you, raised $15,000 for missions. Let's give the Lord a hand. And what that, what that fund is doing is it's, it's helping us to keep up, I want to say keep up the pace with how missions is going. Uh, many churches are, are in a position more to be more sending churches. That means we can stay more connected with our missionaries. We can support them when they need support. We can be there for them in a pastoral care way. And uh, so we want to be able to do that. And so we needed to fund that, that particular arm to be able to do that. And, and our missions team did a, such a fantastic job of pulling it. If you're on the missions team, would you stand? real quick if you help put all that together go ahead just stand up stand up stand up stand up stand up thank you thank you thank you thank you Woo! so proud of these guys and uh i gave them an idea and they just pulled it off in a grand fashion so praise god so we start a new series today this is called 40 days with the master um, we're going to talk about seeing Jesus the Word, seeing Jesus the Word. Now, um, we're going to be sitting for a few minutes. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We've got a lengthy passage of Scripture to read, but it's powerful when we read the Word together. So would you stand up with me one more time, and then we're going to, if you're able, and let's just go ahead and read this Word together. Can we do that? We'll have it on the screen there too, please. should be in your notes. It's also on version, but your notes have the full Scripture there. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. But the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. 
You just spoke the word. Go ahead, give your neighbor a high five as you're seated. It's good to read the word, amen? Now, uh, as you're seated, I, I want to talk to you about one of the reasons why I love, I love what God does and the way God does it. When you look at how God uses the individuals who wrote the scriptures, who were inspired of God to write the scriptures, you will discover a truth in God's pattern about the way he does things. God never wastes his creation. God uses people right where they are in their own context with their own worlds. He doesn't say you are disqualified from me using you because, you know, you didn't grow up here or you don't have this education or you don't have that thing. Here's a case in point. John, who wrote the, the gospel, is known as at this point John the Beloved. But at the end of the New Testament, we call him John the Revelator. We find that the same John who started out as a fisherman became a fisher of men. And we find that John uses fisherman kind of language. He doesn't have a really broad, protracted, huge vocabulary. Not like Dr. Luke. When we read uh, Luke's uh, writings, you'll find in Luke and Acts, the, those two books together make up more uh, writing than any other uh, author. Luke wrote more of the Bible of the New Testament than anyone. But Luke's uh, uh, Greek language, he uses fancy words. He uses these $10 words that are like several syllables. And, and you know, when we read it in the text, we, in our English text, we don't really notice that. We don't really see that because, you know, it might be a whole three or four words in a sentence make up just one word that Luke would use. But John, on the other hand, he's just, he's just a simple guy. I would have loved to get to know John. I would love to, because, you know, John had a big heart for Jesus, but he was just really plain spoken. And I like that about him. Uh, notice, did you notice how, if you were to go through the list, just the verses that we just read, there, there aren't a huge number of different words, right? Just in the very first sentence. In the beginning was the word, and the was with God, and the was God. So just a handful of, but let me tell you, he just said something so profound. You and I trip over how simple this guy speaks, but you don't really realize the mouthful that he said when he said word. Now, let me just break that down. Now, I could preach for a month on one verse, and I just gave you 18. So set your calendar. We're going for a ride. So, so in John chapter 1, so this, this idea of what John was saying, when John was speaking the word, now this, this is a little uh, Greek word, not very long, the word logos, and it just means that. In the English language, it means word. But when you do the backstory on that word, word, if you were to break down all the different ways that that word was used in, uh, in, in New Testament Greek and in the Greek culture of the day, it didn't just mean a word as in one in a sentence. How many words can you count in this sentence? It didn't mean that at all. It meant something more like the narrator and the narrative, the score and the symphony, 
the comprehensive and the category. It, it, had, it, it was this fullness of everything that the Greek minds could grab a hold of. They said, this is, this is the word has to do with the, all the literature that the world understands. All the mathematics and the source of all of those disciplines. It was all of the totality of those things together. Can you imagine? That's what he's saying, the word. In the beginning was the word. Now let me uh, show you something that you already probably figured out. That when John begins to talk about the master, he doesn't take it back just to the time of Jesus and the birth of uh, the, the physical birth of Jesus to, uh, to Mary and to Joseph. Obviously, Jesus his, uh, uh, you know, was uh, inspired of the Holy Spirit, conceived of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't do that. He goes all the way back. He says, in the beginning. And, and what John is really trying to do, he's really trying to help us understand that in the same way that there's a book of Genesis, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And what John is saying is, let me show you something about the creation story that you never heard before. Let me tell you about someone that was there. Let me tell you more, more accurately, more, give some more definition to a person that was at creation in the beginning that you really know not of. Now, if you can get one thing, I didn't say this to the 8 o'clock, but it occurred to me in between times I need to talk about this. In our world, many people reject God. They reject our Jesus. Can I tell you why they reject our Jesus? They reject our Jesus because at the, at the best we could ever do, we come out with a blonde-haired, blue-eyed Hollywood caricature of Jesus Christ and say, yeah, there he is. And everybody says, boo, I don't want that. Nobody really can comprehend, and this is what John is going to get at. He says, we... Our, our words fail us when we begin to talk about the greatness of who Almighty God is. How do you, you know, how do you do that? You know, define God and give three examples. Like, how? Where do you start? John says you start with the word called the word. In the beginning, you know, the... It, in the beginning was the word. And so he begins to describe the, the one who caused everything to come to be. He's, he begins to describe not just the, the architect of all creation, but the, uh, but the tapestry that the architect, the, the canvas that the architect is going to draw everything out on. He begins, there, there's, without him, there's nothing. Nothing has been made that has been made without him. In the beginning was the word. There was nothing before. Well, God, you know, a little child might say, who created God? Now, that's the point. He always was in the beginning. And so when you and I begin to talk about this, this is where John starts his gospel. He begins to talk about Jesus, not as Jesus. He doesn't even use his name. He uses word. 
because word has the, has the capacity to fill up in John's understanding and in, the, and in the understanding of his readers, this is who we are talking about here. I can't talk about his earthly lineage. It really doesn't matter right here. I can't talk to you about the fact that he was a Jew and, and, and these are Gentiles. I can't talk to you about that. He said he goes further back, further back. He's before that. He's before that. Keep going back. You mean back to the time of creation, before that? Where did everything come from? Yeah, before that. In the beginning was the word. First thing in your notes, let's just dive in. Jesus, the word, came before everything else. He came before everything that is. He already was. And the Bible tells us the thing I want you to get a hold of. A lot of times in our world, you know, we, there's this vernacular, this new age vernacular, right? Oh, just be kind to the universe and it'll come back to you. Well, the Bible doesn't talk about the universe uh, being, uh, uh, you know, being a source. Things come through the source of the universe. But the Bible says that the, the fullness of everything is God himself. He's a person. In fact, in three persons, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so the scriptures tell us that everything issued forth from who he is. Jesus, the word, came before everything else. Colossians 1.17. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Uh, Martin Luther said the gospel is in the prepositions, right? In Christ. In the world, not of the world, those locator terms that you and I use when we think in terms of prepositions. Well, if something's not holding together in your life, then you need to ask yourself, how much in Christ is this thing? Or is this thing in Ken Kramer's life? Am I, am I, uh, am, am I writing outside the lines? Or should I be saying, okay, if all things hold together in him, then I need to do my level best to find, to locate myself in him. The Bible says that if a man's ways please the Lord, even his enemies will be at peace with him. If a man's ways please the Lord. So I don't worry about my, what my enemies do. I don't worry about my, what my enemies think. I concern myself only with what my father thinks. Because when my ways please him, when my ways honor him, then I am located in him, and in him all things hold together. And so it's only when we begin to step outside of the word, when we begin to live our lives outside of, well, I know what the word says, but I kind of think, just stop yourself. Don't kind of think that way. Just locate yourself back under the word. Why? Do you think you can improve on the word? Do you think you can improve on the fact that God knew everything before it came to be? Do you think you can improve on everything was created by him and what? Here's, a, here's another preposition. And for him. By him and for him. For his glory, for his goodness. Number two. Jesus, the word, is co-equal with God and yet a separate person in the Godhead. We said that in verse 2. I just read it, but let me read verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Now, what I'm going to talk to you about right now just seems like a, uh, like a mystery. Like, like everything I just said a minute ago about the totality, about everything issuing forth from the word. Now, I'm going to tell you God put it all in a baby. 
God put it all in a baby. Mary carried around the word in her womb. Come on. How crazy is that? This is, this is the scripture says, though, is the mystery of godliness. That God took, took his word and, and the fullness of who he was, and he put it inside the DNA of a human being. How do you get that? How do you figure that out? Well, that takes a lot of faith. Not as much faith as evolution, which I will talk to you about in a minute. Jesus, the Word, is co-equal with God, and yet he's separate. He's a separate person in the Godhead. It seems that the Father is the architect, and it seems that the Son, the, the mighty Logos, is the one who brings it into being. He's the, he, he has the, the resources of heaven uh, available. He makes it available to you and I. And, and so when we look at the, the work of Jesus, uh, we, we look at the finished work of Christ on the cross who provided forgiveness for all of humanity who provided strength and grace for all of humanity. Going to talk about that some more in a minute. But the Father was the architect, but Jesus was the, he was the activator. He was the one that, that made it happen, paid the price with his own blood. Number three, Jesus, the Word, is the creative source of all things in existence. 1 Corinthians 8, 6. Yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, and through whom, there's another preposition, through whom all things came and through whom we live. He understood that the source of everything that he needed to know uh, had to come forth from God himself. Now, uh, you know, I'm all, I'm all about some level of being a consumer, right? But the longer that I'm a consumer, what, one of the problems with, uh, with being a consumer is that you really don't know where stuff comes from sometimes. You really don't pay attention to origins. You really don't pay attention. You just kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm busy consuming this. And, you know, one of the things that happens in our, in our maturity in Christ is that we kind of uh, sometimes put things like babies do. We put things in our mouths that ought not to be there. Right? We take things in that have no business in our lives, and that's because we're busy consuming, and we're not really concerned about our own maturity. When you're mature, you contribute more than you consume. When you're mature, you're giving out more than you're taking in. That's the point. Jesus said, you're going you're gonna to bear fruit 30, 60, and 100-fold. In other words, it's not just going to be uh, coming to you and you just take it all in, keep taking it in, keep taking it in. You're going to give it out. And, and so the scripture tells us we need, to, we need to know where this comes from. We need to know this process. What, what is the Lord doing? He wants to put his life over into your life and mine. And he wants us to be distributors. He wants us to be ambassadors. He wants us to be those purveyors of his life and of his truth. Jesus, the word, is the source of life and light for humanity. Did, notice with me, let's go back up to the, the, the John 1 passage again. Notice how John creates links in a chain with his words. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. He ends with beginning, starts off. Through him all things were made. Made is kind of the, the key word. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Then he begins to talk about life. Where did life come from? He spoke, life was, right? Light was. Uh, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. 
the light, now we're, now we're talking about light. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Not just understood like can't understand it, but uh, another translation of that word understood means cannot snuff it out, cannot overcome it. The light continues to shine. It doesn't matter what the darkness does. You make this, you make this room as dark as a cave two miles down, light uh, one single, one single candle. And that darkness cannot overcome that candle. You'll have light. And, and so this is, this is what John wants us to see. So he's, he's chain-linking all of these words. Then there came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. So he switches over. He begins to talk about John. He came as a witness to testify. What did he testify concerning? That light. So that all men, might, uh, all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. Oh, yeah, the world. Even though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. What's it take to recognize the one who came in the flesh? What do you need in order to recognize him? Give me his profile. Show me his picture. What's his portrait? What can we look at so that we don't ever miss Jesus, that we don't ever miss the one who God sent as the light so that we have the light of life and we carry it around with us wherever we go and we shine that light. What, what does it take? What it takes is that you've got to come to him and believe. You've got to receive. You've got to say, here's, here's what it says. And I just read this the other week, so I feel like I'm repeating myself. But some of y'all weren't here. So, you know, he came to that which was own, his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. What kind of children? Children not born of natural descent. In other words, you're not going to look at this in your genealogy. Some of us are really enamored by our genealogy because we're really related to some cool people. I'm not really related to some cool, cool people, so I don't really want to know. My family did some cool stuff. You know, my family robbed banks. I mean, I don't know. You know. <laughs> and, uh, but here's what he's saying. He says, you've got a lineage that connects you and gives you a right to become a son of God. You have a right to speak to God. You have a right to speak for God. And you have a right to walk in his authority in the earth. That's what John is saying. In the beginning, all of that was taken care of by your father. He gave you the right to become. And then he says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Number four, Jesus, the word, is the source of light and life for humanity. I think I already read that. John 8, 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Think about it. Um, there was, a, there was a, a, a much simpler time when I was a young man when my mom said, go to the store and get some light bulbs. And I'd say, okay, what kind of light bulb do you want? And she'd say, some 60-watt bulbs. Yes, Mom, I'll go get you some 60-watt bulbs. And so I go to the store, and I pick out 60-watt bulbs. I only had to know one, one set of numbers right there, right? There was 25, there was 40, there was 60, there was 75, there was 100, right? And, uh, and then LED came along. 
And now you got to know all this other stuff. You know, this Kelvin scale. You got to know, is it 3,000? Is it 5,000? You got to know the color of the light. Who knew, who knew light had color? I didn't know that. You know, light has color. What the heck? And so, you know, what, what you begin to understand is that there's mathematics involved in this whole thing. And there's scales and ways to rate the stuff. Pastor Ken, why are you even talking about that? Because Jesus is the light of life. Every aspect, every scale, every mathematical piece I've started playing uh, uh, practicing piano and and uh, I found out from Pastor Sarah I did it, I quoted her again uh, I found out from Pastor Sarah that you know music is is really at the, at its essence is mathematics oh no I mean do you know how bad that is for me oh no I, I get it it makes sense but but to a person who is really has a trained ear in music it, it almost sounds like you're doing bad math when you say two plus two is four. Uh, it don't, no, two plus two is five. You know, you go two plus two is five and they say, oh, that's, that's a bad score. You, you know, you didn't, you, didn't do the, you didn't do your math right. Go back and play that note differently. Did you, are, are you understanding where I'm? Even, even music, even light has dimension to it. It has metric to it. It has numbers attached to it. Who thought all that up? The Word. The Word. Jesus is the light. And he is the life. Let me read something to you that comes out of, our, um, out of Mark Batterson's book. Chapter 8 starts off with this. I'm going to tell you a little story, so relax. On September 5th, 1977, the Voyager 1 space probe was launched from Cape Canaveral aboard a Titan Centaur rocket. It has been speeding through space at an average speed of 38,000 miles per hour ever since. 77. How many of y'all were around in 77? Yeah, okay. Voyager 1 is the first spacecraft to travel beyond the, the helipause, heliopause into interstellar space. And NASA continuously calculates its distance from Earth. As of this writing, Voyager 1 is 13 billion 490 million 6,617 miles from Earth and counting. Isn't that crazy? Hadn't hit anything yet. This is pretty amazing, isn't it? But not as amazing as you. The Voyager run will, 1 will run out of gas, so to speak, around the year 2025. And at that point, it will have traveled more than 15 billion miles. Now catch the rest of this. That is less than half the length of the DNA strand in your body if it was stretched end to end. The cumulative DNA in all the cells in your body is about twice the diameter of the solar system. In the words of the psalmist, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. If you are near someone you love right now, why don't you just remind them by saying, you're amazing. Go ahead, look at them. After all, their genetic fingerprints are as unique as yours. Now, think about this. According to one estimate, there are 37 sextillion chemical reactions happening in the human body at any given time. I don't even know that. I didn't know that was a word. I mean, I knew sex was a word, but I didn't know sextillion was. <laughs> I think he just put it in there so the guys would pay attention. I don't know. 
Think about this. You are digesting food, regenerating cells, purifying toxins, catalyzing enzymes, producing hormones, and converting stored energy from fat to blood sugar. Is anybody tired yet? I want to go take a nap. God, the Word, put all of that together in all of its exquisite complexity, created it, fashioned it, issues forth time so that we can understand how to function together with it. God has done so many amazing things. And yet, many people would say, what has God done for me? I can't see God. God's never done anything for me. And, And to this, John would say, he says, From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. How many breaths have you breathed in your life? Take a minute and count. Every breath is a blessing. You don't really think that until you can't catch one. Every heartbeat is a blessing. Every day that you get to wake up above rather than beneath That's a blessing. Let's stop and talk about the grace that causes us to be able to live our lives on this planet, right? And so this is what John says, closing this morning. Jesus, the word, became flesh so that we might know what the glory of God in man could look like. What the glory of God in man could look like. Notice the scripture tells us there that that the law came through Moses. The law, the Ten Commandments written on stone initially, and then the Torah, all of that was the instruction for people to live. It was, as it were, um, not on-the-job training. Here's your manual. Take it and read it and do good things. The problem is that we could not figure out how to go from God's black and white, God's stone tablets. We couldn't figure out how to live for God in a righteous way. Uh, we could, we didn't, it didn't have enough dimension for us. It didn't have enough frequency for us. It didn't have enough encouragement for us. We didn't understand how to do it. We didn't have the capacity to keep the law. And yet, here comes Jesus. And Jesus comes not just truth. Nobody could argue that the Ten Commandments are truth. Nobody could argue that the law came through Moses. John's not arguing that. He said the law came by Moses, but grace and truth through the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and truth. Let me me wrap up here with this thought, okay? Truth tells you just like it is. Yep, there it is. Ram the car into a tree. There it is. You know, as soon as, I, as soon as I saw that, the price tag, psh, you know, it's truth, right? It's, it's truth. What it is is what it is. Touch your neighbor and say what it is. Truth is what it is. Truth is, truth is a measuring stick. Truth is a, a, a communication of, of who God is and how God wants it to be. The problem is truth doesn't help you unless you have grace, Because grace enables, grace empowers. And so Jesus Christ, the word that was the source of the light and all the wisdom and all the literature that's ever been written came from the word. Uh, Every musical score that ever was written came from the word. So the word became flesh. And in Christ, we receive grace. Grace. 
and truth. Now we don't just have something written, oh, go live that way. Now we have a life that we can look at and say, oh, look at Jesus. How did he do it? That's what I'm supposed to do. But I can't do that. Oh, you can now because I gave you a right to become a child of God. You can on your own, but Holy Spirit in you, you can. Holy Spirit on you, you can. Fruit of the Spirit in you, you can. Gifts of the Spirit on you, you can. Everything that you find in Jesus, grace and truth, grace and truth, grace and truth, enables you, empowers you to live for God in a way that pleases him. In a way that he looks at and he said, that you are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. In you, I am well pleased. We've received grace and truth. And so I want to challenge you this morning. Some of, it's easy in our world to come up with doubts. It's easy in our world to, to uh, despise this caricature of Jesus. People start talking to you on one level, on one little eensy-weensy level and say, oh, I don't know about God. Well, they don't know the God we're talking about. They're talking about the caricature. They're talking about Hollywood Jesus. They're not talking about the real one. Jesus is the word. Jesus is the word. And, and there was none before him. And there was nothing before him. And yet from him we receive grace and truth. And oh, by the way, I'm not sure, you know, if Old Testament God is same as New Testament God. Well, the scripture tells us right there. Scripture tells us right there. That Jesus came from the Father full of grace and truth. That the Father wasn't different than Jesus. He came to declare him. He came to say, this is, this is my Father's heart. These are my Father's works. These are my Father's words. Everything he did, he pointed back to the Father. Full of grace and truth. I appreciate those that want to, want to declare I got the truth here. Here's chapter and verse. Stop doing what you're doing. Thank you, Captain Obvious. I didn't know what the problem was. I'm a sinner. Sinner's sin. But when people learn to walk in grace, when people learn to come alongside and say, Holy Spirit, show me how I can speak this in such a way that it won't repel, but it'll attract Show me how to say what needs to be said so that it empowers, right, rather than discourages. That's the word of Jesus. That's the word that we serve. That's the master. That's the way he does it. So let's stand this morning. Father, I just pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord. I thank you uh, for those here in this room, Lord, that have been following you. And Lord, I just pray that they would receive this revelation, that we would be uh, challenged to go higher in our walk, that we would be challenged to go into new places in you that we've never been, that we could walk in grace because we've received grace. If anybody needs fresh grace, I just want you to lift your hand right now. Go ahead. I have both hands up. If I could lift my feet up, I would. Lord, I need your grace. I can't do it. I can't do it on my own. And I thank you, Lord, that you fill me with grace and you never find fault. When I'm broken, when I'm hurting, you never tell me, pick yourself up, boy, by your own bootstraps. You're always there, Father. You're always encouraging, always nurturing. Thank you, Father, right now for releasing grace in this room. For releasing that grace. 
those that received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become. Now, if you put your hands down, I don't know everybody in this room, and I don't know where your walk is, but if you've never said yes to Jesus, the Son of God, if you've never said yes to the one who is the Word, maybe your only idea of Jesus was that he was the one to get you out of hell and into heaven. But you never really saw him for fully who he is. And maybe the Holy Spirit took that Word today and showed you something. And you found your need for him today. You found your need for him, and you've never said yes to him. We just slip up your hand before we close? I just want to pray with you. That's you. Anybody else? Looking all around. Man, I need God. I just need God. I don't want to leave the same way I came in. I need God. I need God. Say this with me. Lord, I thank you for your grace made available to me through Jesus Christ. I believe he's the son of God. I believe he took all my sin. I believe he was raised from the dead and that he sent his Holy Spirit so I could live a new life. I'm gonna live that new life full of grace and full of truth. Use me for your glory, I pray. Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, God bless you, church. We love you. See you soon.